In his book, Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul, Deepak Chopra discusses a parable about a person who lives in this small but very comfortable house, and everything is familiar for them, and they're happy there. And they're happy enough that they never want to go outside. Until one day, the house feels a little cramped, and they decide to go out. And it's a bright, beautiful day, and they live in an area where there's nothing but open space. And they go out and they have a joyous experience being outside. But it overwhelms them, the infinite expanse. And so they go back into their house, and they're happy in their house again for a while, until one day they remember being outside, and it feels cramped to be inside, and so they go back out again. And this keeps happening, and each time they go out, they can be outside for longer periods of time. The story is a parable about how we interact between our ego and our soul. And today on Ask Dr. Gill, I want to talk about this as it relates to mental health, anxiety, depression, and other aspects of how we find ourselves. So stay tuned. Dr. Gill, I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman, and this podcast is about health, well-being, spirit, mind, body, heart, connections. And as part of that, today I wanted to talk about something that is less scientific, but still equally important. This is an important topic for many people because I think uh, it gets to the crux of certain forms of anxiety. And given that 18% of Americans have anxiety, this is a topic that I think is pertinent in today's world. So the parable that I read in Deepak Chopra's book is delightful. And I read this parable and I thought, okay, I need to talk about this. And so that's what I'm doing today. It's It's pertinent because I think that many of the aspects of mental health issues don't have to deal with any physical ailment or even a mental health issue, but rather it's this, for lack of a better way of saying it, struggle between ego and soul. And I think that for many people, and including my patients, they run into problems because of the struggle. And so let me, let me kind of put this into light in present day, this, this parable, this, ask, this struggle. And I've mentioned a, a little bit in previous podcasts and in some of the writings, some of the ideas that I'm about to share, but it's as if Well, imagine that you have a really, really good job and you're making, you know, more than enough money for what you're doing, but you're not quite, you're comfortable, but you're not happy. It's not stretching your skills enough. 
And so you decide to do something that's more creative on the side and see how that will do. And so you can, you know, you're, you're continuing to do both at the same time. So you're doing your business, you're doing your job, and then you have this business and, you know, the side business at first, it's making a little bit of money, but at some point it's making a good amount of money, but not as much as you're making in your job. But you realize that if you really put your mind to it and put in the effort, you could be making a lot more money than what you were doing previously. And I actually was listening to a podcast about this, about a guy who had a very successful freelancing business, and he decided to create a course, an online course, that would teach people how to do freelancing and so that they could make money. And he basically gave up his consulting business where he was making over $100,000 a year at a time when he was maybe making $4,000 a month. So half, you know, basically half that or less than half that doing this online course. And it paid off for him, but it wasn't an easy decision. And for some people, it doesn't pay off. And so the question that I put out to you is, what makes someone take that risk? And what are the right reasons to take that risk? You know, I mean, for for him, it wasn't about the money because he already had more than enough money. It was more about the challenge and doing something different. And so, and, and something more creative and something more that spoke to his soul as opposed to his ego. So in the parable, the house represents our ego and moving out into the greater expanse represents the soul. And one of the things that uh, Deepak Chopra talks about in his book is briefly is just how being in soul, being in this expanse of love and light can be really, really painful and difficult after a while. And for some people, they will pull away almost immediately. And I've had Many people talk to me and, you know, there's writings about this, spiritual writings, where they have a meditative experience and go into this trance-like state and feel this love and this, you know, whatever it is, this light, and immediately they come back out of it. And it's as if the light is so bright that it's begins to burn us. And that's the idea behind the parable too, right? You know, it's the ability to leave the house and being the outside. Well, over time, you learn to do that more and more and more. And so it's, you can spend more time in that space. So, so that's sort of the parable piece. Now, how do we apply that? Now, let's move back for a second to this this job situation. You have this freelance thing where you're making good money, and then you have this creative piece that is really calling to you. And so the question that I, I, I would encourage you to ask is, is this coming from my ego, or is this coming from my soul? And in the second part of the show, 
I'm going to talk more about that, like some of the key pieces to ask of how you know the difference, right? So before I jump into that, I want to go back to the topic of meditation as a vehicle to clear the mind and move away from that question for a moment. So I, I have a confession to make. Uh, talking about these topics is incredibly challenging for me. So, and let me give you a little backstory on that. My background, as you know, or as I mentioned rather, is in ge me medical genetics. I started a PhD in biochemistry. I did my undergraduate work at Berkeley in genetics. I mean, I've always been interested in mysticism and spirituality and so forth, but it's more of a private interest than a public one. And so pivoting to that and talking about it has been very challenging for me. And it's challenging, and I, I've had to sit with this. I've had to ask, what's, what is this about? Is this about that? My ego doesn't want me to do this, or is it because it's just not the right and appropriate thing to talk about? And, and we could call that from a soul level. So I have had to sit and meditate on this and to clear my aspects of ideas about myself and about what my listeners might want and so forth as part of that. And so when I do the podcasts, I have, I, I often will get myself into a place where I'm, I don't want to just say just talking because that just sounds like I'm unprepared because I'm not, but I'm in a place or try to be in a place that's not about ego. And, and so that's the place that I think is really, really powerful and meditation is a good tool to get into that place. So let's, uh, let's take a break. And in the second part of the show, I want to talk more about the meditation, but also what it is that you're looking for in terms of understanding, touching the soul versus experiencing ego. So stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Gil Winkleman. This is Ask Dr. Gil. And today we are talking about how to experience, how we experience anxiety as it relates to ego and soul. And I've been talking some about the experience of leaving the comfort of our ego and moving out to this more expansive place. And I want to talk a little bit more about how being out in this expanse can cause us to contract in a way because it feels unsafe, right? 
And that's kind of what the parable that I talked about in the introduction is about. So the, the reason I find this topic to be so interesting medically is because of all the people who come to me with anxiety. And some of them are touching something that has nothing to do with the scientific realm. And I've even had a couple of patients who were being diagnosed, if, you know, from, from a mainstream medical standpoint with schizophrenia, but they didn't have schizophrenia. They were having a spiritual crisis. And the anxiety, I'm not going to go into that in much detail, other than to say that sometimes what looks like a medical problem is actually a spiritual one. And so you can imagine if you live in this tiny house, like in this parable, and you go out for the first time, and it's really bright, and there's expanse out there, and space, and you can see forever, and how, how scary that might be to somebody. So that's the piece about this that I think kind of brings up that anxiety. And so oftentimes our anxiety arises as we touch these deeper parts of ourselves because they're unfamiliar and we don't know what to do with them. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I've had a few patients who are now retired and they talk about this in the context of retirement because, you see, they, they've been very, very busy with their lives and their careers and they stop. And for some people, this can be fatal. Uh, you know, it's uh, there was uh, research about uh, engineers at IBM. And I, long story short, IBM figured out that the lifespan of someone after retirement is so low that they can afford to offer a big pension because they're not going to live that long. And part of this, I think, has to do with not knowing what to do with yourself. And that's kind of the experience that many of the retirees that I've worked with have found when they first retire. They, you know, they, they have a few weeks where it's like, oh, it's great. It's vacation, blah, blah, blah. But what do they do with their day-to-day -day lives after that? And how do, they, how do they manage that? And the space that they have in their schedule becomes punishing in a way because they, they, they have never had that much space. And so they kind of have to relearn their rhythms and routines as a result of that. So that's part of this. And so what I would invite, if that's where you are, or even if you have another life, you know, where you're working really hard, I'd invite you to invite your soul in to move away from the ego and the shoulds and so forth and see what it is that you truly are wanting out of life. And so so as I posed the question at the beginning in the first half of the program, the question is, is how do you know the difference between soul and ego? Well, it's not like there's two yous in there. So I just want to preface that. But we could say that there's two viewpoints about things. And that's really what I would encourage you to do. You know, it's not like the ego is bad and the soul is good. But the qualities of each is such 
that we might experience it that way. And some of the verbiage that I'm going to use right now is associated with that connotation. In other words, there are ideas behind what our soul is worth and what our ego is worth that make us push the ego away. But I would invite you to embrace ego and understand the qualities behind some of the emotions and ideas that come up so that you can get to a crux of what it is that you want, right? I mean, it's not like you're going to reject the ego and just kind of move forward all at once. That's, that, that's rare that that happens. And so finding the qualities that you want in the soul, you need to understand what's, what's happening with the ego first. So, so some of the qualities of the soul are about acceptance, about cooperating, about non-attachment, about being calm, about being selfless. There's a, there's a quality of non-judgment with the soul. So in other words, let's say you wanted to write a novel. Well, your soul, from a soul level, there's no judgment if you do it or don't do it right? It just sort of, it's like, well, this would be really interesting. You, you might enjoy doing this. That's the quality of it. From an ego level, that wouldn't, that, there's a different layer to this. It's more about, not only are you going to do this, you're going to get it done by Friday, and it's going to sell a million copies. <laughs> so that's the quality of ego. And, you know, some of it is, is it's, it can be highly critical. It can be clinging as opposed to you know, detached. There's a there's an agitation to the quality of the experience when you're coming from an egoic level. There might be a selfish quality, and instead of being non-judgmental, you're judgmental about things. So, another way of saying this is the soul. From a soul level, we don't have an outcome that we're interested in. It's more that we're interested in the process and the ego is interested in outcomes and and by the way that's can be really important right at times because we live in a planet we live in a time space continuum that requires us to have outcomes and uh, you know outcomes can be important they can also be important to understand that we're what track we're on and the, the quality, though, is, is that sometimes we want to have no attachment to the outcomes. So, and the novel's a great, exp you know, sort of idea about that. You know, many people have written novels. Very few people have written novels that have sold many copies. And the accomplishment of writing a novel, and let's say it's published as opposed to self-published, but even if it's self-published, uh, is still great, right? I mean, you, you did something. You, you, you accomplished something. So it didn't sell a lot of copies. Well, the ego may not be okay with that. And the soul might be ecstatic about that. Maybe that's, that's what, you know, the soul wanted it to do. Van Gogh, as an example, never sold a painting in his life. And yet, and he was tortured by it, by the way. Um, we get to enjoy 
his his genius. And if you've ever seen a Van Gogh in person, they are amazing paintings. Whether you like that style of art or not, it's just the genius of what he did was was just incredible. So so that's the aspect of soul and and ego. And I think we need both, as I said, and in terms of being able to uh, follow our bliss. And I think that the key piece here is to understand that bliss is the key because that is the piece that helps us know that we're on track. And for some people, you know, going back to the novelist analogy, selling a lot of copies of their book is what makes them happy. It's not enough to write the book. And for some people, just finishing the book is enough. And so I would invite you to meditate and tune in. What is it that really gives you joy? And as you do that, you may let go of some of your preconceived ideas of what is important and also let go of ideas of how it is to spend your day. And I think if you tend to get anxious in times where you don't have a lot to do, that just being with yourself and sitting with that and experiencing that in the moment and maybe taking a walk and moving. And I have an article on my website about this. Uh, if you go to askdrgill.com, A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com, there's an, there's an article about meditations for people with anxiety. I think that you will begin to open up some space and touch something that is deeper and be able to gain access to that. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you do, uh, please put a review on iTunes. And, you know, I'm always happy for feedback. You can send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com, A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. And we have a mailing list that you can sign up for there. Uh, I send out a newsletter with health tips and ideas about health and so forth. So... Any any case, uh, have a great week, and I will catch up with you guys next time on 